Hey guys, thank you so much for coming back. Um, today, I wanted to talk about being between a rock and a hard place, but not necessarily how to get out from being between a rock and a hard place, but how to know that you're in one and to be okay with it because you know that God is going to be there with you. So um, I wanted to start off by saying something that I thought was really important. I want everyone to stop listening to what God has to say to them and saying, yes, I get it, but then moving on and not really putting into practice what they hear or what they feel in conviction in their hearts. Because when you feel conviction, it means that there's probably something that you need to work on. Um, And it's something to pray about and something to talk to God about and to figure out how to best work through that. Um, you know, just try not to say, let me hear, but start saying, you know, let me listen and, and not God, I need healing, but, you know, God do open heart surgery on me so that every day I can constantly evolve and you know what you need to fix. I mean, he already knows, but he wants you to invite him in. And I remember this past week I had a family group chat and in that family group chat, um, There were some things that were said, and my sister, she had asked the question, what impossible thing would you like to make possible? And as I was thinking, a response came out, and it said to undo the wrong things that I've ever done. And then the one following it was to take back the time I'd lost. And the one after that was to undo mistakes that I've made. And... It just, it really hurt, you know, because I really, really press on forgiving yourself. And it's really hard to forgive yourself when you allow yourself to say things and and to really believe things that had already happened you didn't want to happen. And, And I get that bad things happen and I get that we make mistakes and and we tend to make decisions that wouldn't work out for our best but God is so good and he's used that as as a turning point to show you who he is and to show you that you're still enough and when you when you think about those things and when you say them out loud even though it's really really hard try and combat that with love and and start saying, yeah, I made that mistake, but that mistake has got me where I am today. And I'll get really deep into that later. But it's important not just to say that you're trying to forgive yourself and not just to say that you do forgive yourself, but it's it's a mind reset when you when you really have to try and not say those things out loud because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when you say it, you start to feel those things and you start feeling bad about the fact that you went through those things and you start feeling bad because nobody likes the fact that things are avoidable and that we do them anyways. But start really trying to think that the version of you that is standing in the mirror every morning or that really just is is who you are right now is the best version of who you could have been at this time because you're trying and you're listening. 
Because you never know what would have happened if you made those other decisions. You could have been worse off. But the thing is that you can't go back in time. And so consistently thinking about the fact that you wish you could is only going to make you upset. And it's only going to make you sad. And it's always going to make you feel regret and shame. And regret and shame, they're not the things that God has put in your heart. And it's okay that you did it. It's not okay to the people that hurt, but those people, they'll heal over time. It's okay that you feel upset sometimes, but just allow God into your emotions and be like, God, why am I feeling this way? I really, really hope that you guys are on the journey to self-forgiveness and self-love and not just say that you are and hold on to everything and every mistake that you ever made because in God's eyes, you are pure snow. And his eyes are the only ones that matter. And so first thing that I want to ask you guys is why do you feel stuck? If you do happen to feel stuck or why have you ever felt stuck? And then the next one is, what season do you think that you're in? A season of blessings, a season of, of a storm and a desert? Do you feel like you're just in a dry season and you don't really know what to do? Um, I know that I felt that a lot. And when I first brought this message up, I don't think that I went about it the right way, maybe. Um, but I'm gonna try and do better and know that the messages that God has given me aren't meant to please people, but they're meant because they're the hard things that people have to ask themselves and, and really have to take a deep look into. And so the first thing that I'm going to talk about is how not to do God's job. And I know that it's so hard. And you're like, I'm not trying to do God's job. I'm, I'm being me. But in the reality, like, when you say things like, God, why me? It's not God, why me? It's God, why not me? You know, why not bless me so that I can bless others? God, I can't see how you're going to use this for my good. But I know that you're going to do something great. I know that my heart is heavy now. But I, I know that you won't leave me behind. And if you don't believe that he won't leave you behind. There's so many scriptures in the Bible. About how God will leave the 99 to find the one. And it gets really annoying having people throw scriptures at you. But it is literally the backbone. The instruction for how you can live your life. And it is a conversation with God and he's really trying to like trying to convince you like dude I'm here for you I want you and in the last message I talked about how it's so hard for us to believe that God could want us and God could love us because we don't love ourselves and so if you believe that he is going to leave you behind you really have to look deep inside of you and say do I really love myself enough to believe that God could love me do I love God enough to know that he's not going to leave me? You just start thinking, God, thank you. Have a thankful heart. God, thank you for, for giving me purpose. And I may not be able to 
see it now, but thank you for giving it to somebody who could handle it, Lord, because he is never, ever, ever going to give you something that he, you cannot handle. Never. I want you to take a minute and ask yourself why you became a Christian. What pivotal moment happened that you knew it was time to become what God had put purpose in you? Was it because you wanted blessings and and all the good? Or was it because you loved God and you wanted relationship and, and you knew that you couldn't do it in your own? If you became a Christian because you wanted blessings or because you wanted all the good things in life, you won't be able to grow. (laughs) You won't be able to let God do his work because you are still going to want to be in control. God never said that being a Christian was easy or that you wouldn't face an ounce of adversity. And the devil will try and convince you that if God existed, bad things wouldn't happen. But let's be honest, a good parent will never, ever, ever not let you go through something to teach you something. And it's okay that you're going through this. It's actually a good thing that you're going through this. I mean, how boring would it be if we consistently had no stories to tell, if we had no testimonies, if we didn't have anything to share to people? We would be so one-dimensional and dull, and we are definitely not that. <laughs> I remember watching America's Next Top Model, and there was a, there was a section about an interview. And this one Christian lady, she went up, and she was talking and he was really trying to get down deep into her find some emotion find something and he was like nobody can be this perfect and she said well you just meant blank and i remember thinking to myself nobody's perfect like god made you in his perfect image but that that doesn't make you perfect you make mistakes you get angry It's overcoming that anger that becomes a testimony. And we want him to bless us, but we don't want to have to go through the storm. It's it's like the story of a fisherman and a farmer in the same town. The farmer needs rain in order for his crops to grow. And he's praying and praying and praying for rain. And, and the fisherman, he's like, God, please, I need sunshine. I really need to feed my family. I, I want for the oceans to be nice and calm and clear. And it's like, which one does God listen to? Because they both need his help. But the truth is that God listens to them both. But maybe the farmer has been going through such a long season of drought that he really, really needs this rain. And the fisherman has been blessed upon blessed upon blessed. And it doesn't make sense that God would bless us so consistently and not bless the other person. We can't consistently be in a season of blessing because then we try and take that blessing away from somebody else. But the thing is that your storm doesn't mean that you're not a blessing. That you're not in a season of blessing. Because the storm, it teaches us what we need to know in order to continue on our path. And yes, you are blessed and you are highly favored. But you are blessed and highly favored because God is with you. Not because of what God gives you. And, and we need to let him put us in the storm so that 
we know it will tear us down, but it will not break us. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but listen, I'm going to use a really weird analogy right now. We are like an orange being peeled, and it is not comfortable if you are an orange to be peeled. We're, we're going through something painful to get rid of the bitter shell. And I'm not saying that we're bitter all the time, but it's like a new layer that God is pulling back on us so that we can become better. But we want, he wants to get to the sweet inside of us. He doesn't want you to be balled up in a piece of bitterness that sits there and rots. He wants you to become orange juice, the kind of orange juice that sits in, in every single TV show breakfast dinner. The one that brings happiness to people's lives. The one that gets put in a mimosa because he knows that the alcohol tastes a little bit bitter. But the second that you get in there, because you have his glory and because you have allowed him to transform you into something else, it tastes better. Pain is just, it's a part of life. And it takes a lot. But Jesus already broke for you. The story does not end there. He got up out of the grave after being broken and beaten and bruised. And he stood tall and and he gave overflow and he gave peace and he gave joy and he gave all of those things. He didn't end the story in brokenness and your story does not end in brokenness. You can't see what happens at the end because you continuously keep thinking about what happens at the beginning keep trying to do God's job like no I don't need to go through this because I I deserve blessings and I deserve this and I deserve that but that was not our purpose to tell God what we deserve or what we need he knows what we need we need to stop saying things like I proclaim and I manifest you don't proclaim or manifest anything guys what you do is you sit there and you plead with God. In 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through, um, 8 through 12, 8 through 10, it says for you to wait for God. It says, I pleaded and I begged to the Lord and I waited. You don't tell God what to do. And we get so wrapped up in, in what our hearts desire in that Bible verse that said, God will give you what your heart desires. But what happens when God says no? What happens when it hurts and we have nothing to go on because we've been praying and praying and praying, but God's like, no, not yet. What happens is we we can't give up. And you know what is that? You don't know what you want until he gives you what you needed. You thought you wanted that tiny freaking teddy bear, but what you really needed was a hug. And then after that, what you wanted was love. And that's what he's trying to show you. And we pray so often into existence that healing comes. But when healing doesn't come, we can't just give up. We can't just be like, God doesn't exist because he didn't heal me. He works in his time, not in our time. We need to stop trying to do God's job. We are the farmers. We are the fishermen. They do work. They do painstaking work, plowing and, and going in and getting hit by the tides or, or going through droughts or, or really, really back painting work. And you know why? Because the farmer isn't the seed. The farmer isn't the one getting all of the attention. They're the ones giving it. 
We need to give God the attention so that he can prove himself to other people through you. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the source. We are not the source. Because our job is to be obedient. His job is to create the results. In Deuteronomy 6.16, it says, Do not test the Lord your God, Messiah. I don't care what any pastor says about test God. He'll prove himself to you. And then one day, you're like, God, I'm testing you. Please give me this car. And God's like, have you taken care of the little thing that I have given you before you get this car? And then you're like, well, God, I still want this car. I'm testing you. And then you test God. And he's like, I'm not going to give it to you because you're testing me. I'll give you what you need after you do what I asked you to do. I am a resource, not the source. God uses me. But it doesn't use me the same way that people use me. People use and discard God utilizes. He uses me and says, all right, now here's the next step. Here's the next assignment. And he doesn't sit there and expect us to do it by ourselves. He's there right next to us. He is giving us what we need. And we are using it to pour out into other people. And when you're walking in a storm, it's not because you did something wrong. Probably because you're walking in your purpose. The fact that the wind is working against you is proof that you're working in what God has manifested in you. And he wants you to keep going. Because resistance leads to revelation. And if God had allowed the wind to work with you, you'd think that the wind was the one getting you through, not God. You would think that the circumstances blessed you or that it was luck. But it's not luck, it's placement. God has placed you where he wants you to be. The word spirit in Hebrew means ruach, and it means breath, the wind. God has breathed his breath in you. The spirit is in you. And when the wind is working against you, it is because God has told the spirit to move so that you can move in your purpose. And so many times we want to think that it's the devil, like the whole freaking devil. And we're talking about, God, I rebuke this. And you literally just stomp it on the floor telling the devil and his efforts in your life that you rebuke him and that you're screaming hallelujah. And you're like, oh, my God, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you so much. I rebuke the devil and everything that he has against my family. But sometimes it's not the devil. And the reality of the matter is that you need to stop and come to a point in your life where you realize it's not all from the devil. It doesn't matter if it's the devil or if it's God that sent the storm because it has to go through God anyways to get to you. And we know this story because of the story of Job. And he says, God and the devil are having a conversation. And when they're having this conversation, it says... That the devil says to God, let me test him. Let me prove to him that he is not your most loyal servant. And God says, go ahead. But every mama bear knows that you are not going to touch my child unless I say you can. Every mother. In fact, every father. Don't you dare touch my kid. It's not your kid.
And you know what? Sometimes it's, it's not even God or the devil. It just happened because of a decision. It happened because you made a decision or maybe somebody else made a decision that you're living with. And it's so hard, as I said, to get past what you thought was avoidable. To live in the past and say, I could have done this differently. But we've all made decisions that we regret. The thing is, are you going to move past that decision to become a better person and to learn from it? Or are you going to consistently keep thinking about it? God is so good that he uses it for your good anyways. The thing is that it doesn't have to be black and white. Yeah, you're dealing with stuff, but you know what? It isn't good and it isn't bad. It's good and it's bad. It's, it's bad that it's, it feels bad. You're going through a storm, but it's good because God is in the center and he's going to use it to teach you something that you would have never been able to learn unless you went through it. And God sees you in your storm. You can cover it up to anybody else, but you cannot cover it up from God. God sees you're hurting. And it may be angering you to see, God, why do you see me and not do anything about it? Why do you make it so that I have to go through this? And it sucks, yeah. And we think that it's not significant enough for God. It, and God, I have this pain and, and I want it to go away. But, you know, I'm not going to pray for it to go away because it's too insignificant. But God finds significance in the insignificant things. And the story of Peter in the water, we, we read it as Peter walks out in faith when he hears God's voice. And then when he realizes the circumstances around him, he starts to drown. But the thing is that before Peter got out of the boat, he was in the boat. Yes, he stepped out in faith, but what about the other people? They heard something, but they knew that Jesus had sent them out there and they weren't going to get out the boat. It was probably insignificant for people not to think about the men who stayed in the boat. But sometimes it's, it's easier to walk out of the boat. And it's harder to stand in the boat that's being pushed around by the waves and everything and try not to escape. I love this quote by Stephen Furtick and it says that the greatest testimony is when you can go through the fire and not smell like smoke. You can go through whatever. Ever. But at the end of the day, when God is with you, you aren't going to smell or look or, or sound the same. You aren't going to even, people aren't going to be able to look at you and say, I cannot believe you went through that. You have no tells. I have people asking me, how is it that you can be so happy after everything you've gone through? After all the abuse and after all the, the hardship. And I say, because it's God. Because I don't have to smell like smoke to prove that this is something that I've gone through. And it isn't important what happened when you came to Jesus. It isn't important that you were broken down. What happens, what is important is that Jesus came into the center of it all and he fixed it. And so many times we want to say, I. And, and I is the center of the world today. iPhone, iPad, I'm hurting, I'm angry, they hurt me. But the truth is that the only reason you made it out was because of him. And all you need is his presence in the middle of the storm to calm it all down. 
And I think that this is the best part of, of the Peter story is that right before this was the feeding of the 5,000. And by the end of the story, the disciples said it was hard to see the significance of the loaves and the breads because their hearts were hardened. It is so hard to see the significance of the storm until you're out of it. It's so hard to see it because your heart is so angry and so so in knots over what's happening. And you're asking why and why and why. But if we get stuck on the reason, we miss the revelation. It is okay not to know why. My why to you is why worry about things that he has already worked out. You don't need to know why or how because you know who. And the reason isn't always because we did something. I mean, have you ever been to a place that you never thought you'd be? And maybe that was a decision that somebody else had made that got you in the place that you were. Maybe your dad quit his job and, and now you're all trying to figure out where you're going to go. You never thought you'd be living on the streets or, or in a homeless shelter and there you are. Or, or maybe your mom left your dad and you never thought you'd be momless. I don't know what your story is. But the truth is, I don't have to to know that you are going to get through it. And it doesn't matter why it happened. Because it'll be revealed to you one day that the only reason you were able to get through another season or to help somebody else was because you were able to experience something that hurt. God doesn't tell us everything because he knows that we wouldn't be able to handle it. It's, it's, like, it's like a kid going to the doctors and, and the mother just not saying anything about going to the doctors to just drive you there. And you're like, oh, I'm just getting a checkup. It's fine. And then you end up getting shots. And you're like, I didn't ask for that. I didn't know that was going to happen. But she knew that or he knew that if he had told you you were going to the doctors, you were not going to go and get your shots. You would have given him such a hard time on the way there or even a vet for a pet. If your pet realizes they're going to the vet, they're going to give you a heck of a hard time in order to get there. But he makes sure that the storm provides lessons that will help us make it through the next test. If we need to learn how to stay patient, he is going to put us in a season where we need to learn patience. Because staying in the same level of a game is never fun. You don't want to stay in level two of, of Fortnite or, or Mario Kart or whatever it is that you play forever. You end up giving up on that game. You want to be able to know what it's like at the next level. Because it makes you better. It makes you knowledgeable. And you don't need anything else but to know that God is the great I am. He says, be still and know that I am God. And I don't know about y'all, but I have like some form of ADHD. I cannot stay still. I feel like I have to know everything. And it has been a real test for God to be like, nope. Nope. You're going to have to deal with it. Be still and know that I am God. And so one question I have to ask you guys and maybe take a minute and pause the video and ask, who has God revealed to you that he is?
Is he your water in the dry areas? Is he the warrior that fights your battles? Is he the sustainer in our weakness? Does he pick us up when we feel like we can't walk anymore? There's a song that I love called Waymaker. It's Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God is my light in the darkness. (sighs) I don't know what I could have done if he didn't show me that there was even the slightest bit of light. And I think that's why I love SARS so much. Because they just prove to you that even in the darkest, darkest of nights, the more stars pop out. That when there's more sunlight, the less stars there are. But the beautiful thing about stars is they shine brighter the darker it is. More of them pop out. And it's okay that the sun is out. It's great that the sky is blue. But even when it gets dark... God has given you a form of light that you can look up at. And we all know what it's like to look at someone who is driven by faith and have them preach Bible verses at you. Oh my God. Like, the the joy comes in the morning and, and Jesus is a great provider and God loves you. And, and we're just looking at them and saying, if you are going to be a little too damn happy for me, and if you don't stop quoting Bible verses at me, I'm going to cut you. I really am. Because we, we get stuck in this idea of, of where is God when he says that he will be with me in this storm? How, how come he's making me go through this? What happened to me? Clearly he forgot. But let's really take a second to think. Maybe God has allowed you to go through what you're going through because he is trying to reveal who he is to you in a different way that you have never experienced before. Maybe your provider also wants to be your healer. Or, or maybe your father wants to be your friend. Or maybe you are his prophet, but he wants you to be his bride. You're not the only one that goes through this. Did you know that there were actually 42 Bible verses about Jesus being in the desert? Like, jeez! <laughs> That's crazy! But I really started to think, and I was like, okay, there's a lot of references to the number 40 in the Bible. And so, I want to talk about the importance of the number 40. It says, I think it was, it was some website. I'm so sorry, guys. I can't quote it. This is plagiarism. It says, as it brings such qualities of repentance, newness, preparation, self-examination, transformation, task fulfillment, escape from bondage, such as slavery, nourishment and growth, and finally, personal fulfillment with redemption and salvation of new generations and new life. I mean, ooh. That is powerful. In Numbers 13, it talks about the Israelites getting getting taken out of Egypt and how the people were taken out of Egypt and then had to stay walking around 40 years to the promised land, even though it could have taken them like a couple of days. And we're all wondering, dang, God, why don't you just take them straight there? And the thing that I thought about was maybe... Maybe he wanted them to see what it took for them to know that this is where they belong. They didn't want, he didn't want them to have to take the easy route. Because when, when you just hand things to people, they aren't really, really grateful for the fact that they have them. And I know that they were slaves before and they were probably going to be grateful. But then after that, they were just expecting God to give them this. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that. And 
God was just like, I don't have to give you anything. I gave this to you because I love you. But I can also take it away. And he wanted them to take the path of least resistance because he wanted them to get out of the mindset of God's just going to take me out over and over and over again. And yes, he is, but he wants you to know what it takes to get there. They were stuck in the mindset of, I don't have this and I don't have that. But your opportunities will come from the adversity that you face. I have a friend who, who recently did a TED Talk this summer and it was on gun violence. And he had grown up in a very um, unsafe neighborhood in the ghetto. And I can say the ghetto because I have grown up in the ghetto um, and he talks about how when he went to Stillman Douglas and the shooting happened and everything like that, and he would have never been able to do things like that to get the attraction that he got if this thing didn't happen to him. And it sounds like a horrible, horrible thing and nobody should ever have to go through it. But the fact that he did go through it and he made it. He was able to start a revolution against gun violence. He is a spokesperson. He is a leader. He used what he had because his supply was in his assignment. And God will never, ever leave you dry without giving you stuff that you need to complete your assignment. And, and we get so wrapped up and I still don't want to get in this storm. I know some of y'all are probably thinking, yes, God is with me. That's great. Like, I'm um, staying in the storm and, and, and really taking this into consideration. But, you know, sometimes maybe it's not even about you. Sometimes you need to be able to give hope to somebody else. I remember the, the second week of Bible study. I was talking and a girl mentioned how she um, can't really love her, couldn't really love herself because she didn't think that her dad cared about her and that was consuming her. And I could relate because for a long time I thought that nobody could love me because my dad wasn't around and and he didn't show me that he loved me and he didn't keep in contact with me. And so I kept thinking, I mean, am I really worth it? And then all of a sudden I was praying to God and I was like, God, I don't want to feel this anymore. I don't want to feel like I'm not enough. He didn't leave or he wasn't kicked out because of something that I did. And because I was able to go through it, I was able to tell her, listen, sometimes people leave, but that has nothing to do with you. And you have love. You are love. God has produced something in you and put people around you so that you knew you, you don't need his love to prove to you that you are worth something. You were born worth something. 
And I, I didn't realize why I had to go through stuff like that, why I had to feel that way. But I had to feel that way so that I could overcome it and so that I could help her overcome her adversity. Pastor Robert Madu said, I find it interesting that the newscaster is called an anchor because whatever you let sink into your soul will navigate your life. I like to think of it as a newscaster is called an anchor because whatever you let sink into your spirit is grounding you. What is sinking into your spirit? Are you allowing this season and this storm to to tell you that you're not enough? Or are you going to go through it and say, I'm making it through to prove that I am enough? And you know what? You don't even have to prove it. God is in the center of everything that you go through. Hold on to him because that's where your peace is coming from. Sometimes we complain and we complain and we complain and we get stuck in what we do not have. I don't have water. Well, let me get you something. The people and the Israelites that that were taken from slaves in Egypt and, and, and taken to the promised land, when they were walking around, their clothes never faded. When they said, I want bread or I want something to eat, God made it fall from the sky. When he said, I want water, God made it pour out from the rocks. Something dry and dense. You never know where your supply is going to come from, but God will make it happen. We need to stop complaining about the things that we don't have and start seeing the blessings and the things that God has provided for us already. We are too stuck in how everything is convenient, how everything is at our fingertips, but why do we keep allowing ourselves to live with the same old thing every day? I mean, that's that's what just turns us into a robot. Everything is so convenient. Every day I wake up in my in my bed and I look at my phone and then I, I do my Duolingo and I do my grasshopper and then I wake up and I take a shower and I go throughout my day, do my work, da 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 and every day is the same. Because everything is just convenient. It's at our fingertips. And nobody wants to do anything that costs any type of work. But maybe that's why God had them go through the desert. Because he wanted to prove to them that not everything is going to be convenient. You're going to have to work for the things that you want. And I'll be there to help you. But don't get stuck in the same old thing all the time. Don't allow convenience of life to hold you back. Stuck people, talk to other stuck people. You know that moment where you're like, I don't want to talk to the Bible-loving Christian about everything that I'm going through because I know she's going to tell me there is joy in the morning and you'll make it out of the storm. And you just want somebody there to be like, yeah, I feel you, man. I am going through the same crap. I'm tired of it. I'm angry. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to rebel and I'm going to drink to get my feelings away. And then you start going down a deep, 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 deep rabbit hole. And you are never able to actually come out of the feeling of being stuck because you are continuously talking to people who are trying to bring you down with them instead of pull you out. Talk to people who are going to pull you out. When you are stuck, you downgrade your dream. You think that this is the only thing that you are meant to do. Stop bringing stagnation to things that were meant to be in movement. I remember when, when I was um, going to work in Miami, but I went to school at, in Boca. And I was 
going through Miami International Airport trying to catch my Uber to to go to um, the street that I needed to get to for where my job was. And there are these things called movers um, in the airport, and they basically take you faster. But there are so many people on the movers while I'm trying to run to catch my Uber that are just standing there with their big luggage taking up space. And I'm like, excuse me, hello, I'd really like to make it through. I got a job to get to. If I'm late, I'm going to get fired. And they just really don't care. They're like, I'm taking my sweet time. This thing is moving me. I ain't got to do anything. They're stuck in convenience. And their stuck in convenience has kept me from being able to keep moving, to get to where I needed to get to, to know that I was making an impact. Stop bringing stagnation to, to what was meant to be in movement. If you are going to bring stagnation to what's meant to be in movement, move over so that other people can continue in their purpose. Figure out what your purpose is so that you can move in your purpose. Stop bringing stagnation to yourself. Everything is in movement. The water is in movement. The wind is in constant movement. The sun and the planets. Solar flares come off the sun. The friggin' planets move around the sun. Stars blow up. They still shine after they blow up. But they still blow up. Everything is in movement. The trees are constantly rooting themselves in the ground. And it's fine. It's good. Everything was meant to be in movement. It's meant to change. It's meant to grow. And change isn't bad. Everything has a season, the, the planets, the animals, the trees, Florida's daily, daily weather. And it's cold in the morning, then it gets hot and humid in mid-morning, and then the afternoon comes and it's finished raining, and then it's really freaking hot, and then you all of a sudden are back in winter at night. <laughs> Everything has a season. And people tell you, dang, you changed. Yeah, you say, I'm changed. I am doing better for myself. I am working on it. You are still 50 years old and clubbing. That has nothing to do with me. I'm going to stay out of your way because I don't want to go back there. Don't allow people to have you go back there. And when you're in your storm, know that one day, one day it's going to happen. Have hope for that one day. Have faith in yourself and in God to know that one day you're going to make it. In Luke 4, 1 through 4, um, it's a story of how Jesus is in the desert and in the wilderness and he's tired and he's hungry and then the devil hits him. And he's like, if you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And something that I really, really, really want you guys to to take into account here is that the devil doesn't just lie. He manipulates the truth. He says, yes, God is in me. God is in you. But if God is really in you, then prove it. But Jesus knew that he wasn't going to turn something into what it wasn't just to satisfy his needs. He knew his place. In the story of Joseph, Joseph, Genesis 37 through 50, which I'm not going to read. 
the whole thing right now it says that joseph went through so many hardships he was alienated by his family his family threw out his dreams they were gonna kill him and instead his brother reuben who let me tell you was god sent god literally went into his heart and changed his heart and said no 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 no, no. wait 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 why do we need to kill him when we don't have to get any blood on our hands and just throw him in the well it's got no water he'll just starve and die on his own and at that point joseph was probably like i don't i don't get it god why not just kill me why not just put me out of my misery but god was like you have to survive because your purpose is greater than what you're going through right now and then all of a sudden these people start walking by and they're like oh shoot we can get some money out of him and they sold him sold him they sold their brother and it wasn't even for gold it was for some cheap silver he was accused of having sex with the pharaoh's wife when he was a slave and he had his name tarnished and he was thrown in jail but the entire time god made joseph a leader when he was a slave he was in charge of the whole household Pharaoh trusted him. He put leadership in him. When he was in the jail, the warden saw favor in him because God put favor in his eyes for Joseph. And the warden didn't even have to do anything. Joseph was the leader of every prisoner down there. God is trying to teach us something in the storm. God is trying to teach us a lesson that will make us into the leaders and the prosperous people that he has He has. Prove to us that we need to be. What is God trying to teach you in your storm that you have been so reluctantly trying to listen to? In Genesis 41, 29 through 32, which is in the same story of Joseph, after Joseph had read, um, had translated Pharaoh's prophecies, yes, prophecies, his dreams, um, he said that the abundance will be forgotten because the lack will be so harsh and that they needed to put some of the abundance away for when the lack came. Sometimes we forget the abundance and focus so much on the lack that we forget what God has already done for us. God has told us to store what he has given us so that when we needed it, we could just take it out of our pocket and be like, God has already done it. He will do it again. We forget that he's already provided. And something that I like to do that maybe some of you may want to do is is I keep a jar in my room of all the things that God has already made possible for me. And they're in little pieces of paper so that whenever I'm going through something, I can just look through the jar and be like, God, you have done it for me before and you will do it again. And I know that I can't see what's happening right now, but I believe in you and I trust in you. And this is going to make me stronger and this is going to make me even more available for you. Joseph was in this this stage for decades, and we complained over 30 days. But Joseph had to go through it in order to become literally right under Pharaoh to rule over an entire kingdom. He wouldn't have been able to rule over an entire kingdom if he didn't know how to rule over a house. And then after he ruled over a house, he said, this is the first step. The second step was you rule over a bunch of people in a prison. The third step is you rule over everybody. 
And of course, Joseph didn't exactly think, this is great, I love this. No! (laughs) He was probably like, God, I know you're doing something, and I'm going to try and stay joyful. And you're like, joyful? He was happy? No! Joseph was not happy being in a dungeon prison having like one piece of bread to eat a day. He had a perception of joy because gladness is a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the spirit. It's something that you learn. It is a perception. And joy is not the absence of sadness or the absence of something of great, great value. It is a focus. It's something that you need to look towards because you can't see what's happening now. But you you look towards what God will and can do with this and you are joyful about it. I mean, Jesus was on the cross. And it wasn't like he was feeling rainbows and unicorns and and fluffiness on his hands when the thorns and the needles were were getting at him and the slashes on his back were bleeding. He didn't say, dang, this feels good. I have so much joy in my body right now that it's oozing out. No. He said, this hurts. He begged Jesus not to go to the cross. But he knew. He knew that there was going to be a greater outcome. And that's what brought him joy. And there is so much more pain that goes with purpose than pain without purpose. And I remember watching this movie and it was like, um, I think it was God's Not Dead 1. And he said to his mother, he was an atheist and he, his mother had dementia or something or Alzheimer's. And, and he asked his mother, how could you believe in a God that would do this to you? And she hadn't talked in so long, but God spoke through her and she said, Life is like a key and a prison. And in this prison, it's so comfy and, and, and bright. And everything you have or everything you've ever wanted is inside. And you hold the key, but you're not with God. And then the second that we, we die, the prison closes. And the key is no longer with us. And that's what it's like. It's like being trapped in everything that you've ever wanted. But you're alone. And you can't get out. And it's not comfortable anymore. But when you have God. You don't need to have everything you've ever wanted. Because you have everything you ever needed. You have your self-love. You have your joy. You have everything. And sometimes we pray for more joy. And we pray for all these things to God, give me more joy. God, make me happy. And I know because I did that when I was depressed. God, make me happy. God, why am I not happy? And I'm like, God must not be alive because I'm not happy. But every single time that God put something in front of me for me to be glad about, I found the itty-bitty little things that I didn't like about it, and I destroyed what God had placed in front of me. But if we take the time to flip the narrative, if, if we write a list of all of the blessings God has given us, and all, all the, the curses or, or everything that, that has ever we felt like destroyed us, and we look at every single circumstance and the outcome of that circumstance, and we put that in the blessings column, We start to be more optimistic. And there's actually a scientific study that says that optimistic people are 
happier and and pessimistic people that say well i might as well not even dream about it because it won't happen anyways they they live with a less um with less hormonal parts of them that make them happy and even though optimistic people when things don't work out get sad their overall happiness level makes them live better and they aren't trying to get back to normal they aren't trying to make it seem like oh well i mean i've already gone through that it's whatever i i guess they've got all of this in them and and there's this thing that i want to read by stephen furtick's instagram page shout out <laughs> says what if normal isn't something to get back to? What if normal is something to look forward to? And, and what if the normal that we knew is not the normal that God is leading us into next? God said, I'm bringing you into a new normal because what you thought was normal was really wasn't normal. It was just what you knew. And when you feel afraid, you crave the familiar. And even if the familiar is killing you. Some of us are praying for three months ago, God, I, I need change. God, this is not working. God, I'm not happy. God, I don't feel joy. But what if God is trying to bring you into a new normal, but you're so afraid that you reach for what's familiar? Let's just have the funeral right now. We are not going back to normal. We're not. God is taking you through something uncertain right now. He is taking you through something you have never seen before. And it's just because you've never seen it before doesn't mean it's not normal. You mean it can be normal for me to have a heart that is at peace? Yes. That's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have peace in the middle of a storm. Jesus did. He slept through stuff that we scramble about because he has a different concept of normal. And that's something that we really need to press into, especially at a time like this. Have a spirit of thankfulness. Have a spirit of calmness and of love. And so with this, I really want you guys to do some homework and, and write that list of blessings versus curse. And, and really think about the curse and think, what was the outcome? What did I learn from this? What did God reveal to me in this time? and transfer it over to the blessings column and you'll see how much more you've been able to grow and how much blessed god has made you and when you're in the storm look back to that list and say god you've done it before and you will do it again and so i'm just gonna pray jesus thank you holy spirit thank you god thank you for all working in my benefit and our benefit. And that even though we can't see what's happening now, we know that you are going to help us through. We know that no matter what, you are going to be there. You are going to help us and you are going to be at the center. And I may not feel peace in the moment, but Jesus, you are there and I will feel that peace and I will reach for that joy and I will count my blessings in the storm, not just when they're out. I pray, Lord, that I don't want to go back to normal. I want to find a new normal. 
I don't want I don't want to feel the conviction over and over and over again and not feel what happens after the conviction. I don't want to have to not work on myself and then stay in the same place. God, I want everything that you have for me. I don't want to be a robot. I don't want to be stuck. I want to have opportunities. And I know those opportunities only come because you have them for me even when I'm going through something. God, I want to see the revelation you have for me. I don't want to stay stuck. I want you to do your work and I want to listen. I want to be obedient. I'm sorry, Lord, for trying to do what only you could do. And thank you, Lord, for being my rock, for being my anchor, even when I haven't felt it. I love you, Lord. And I pray that I'm able to go through this journey and consistently work on myself, not just when I feel like it's convenient for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.